You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. If you will, please stand with me. As we stand on the solid rock of God's word, we're going to pick up in John 14, 12. We're getting past those first six verses that deal with Jesus talking about the eternal home. Then he goes on to talk a little bit more about how he is a representation of the Father. But then in verse 12, these amazing and encouraging words, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And here's the line. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, How is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask for you to be with us this morning and to challenge our hearts. No matter what season of life we are in, God, we want to make sure that in this season we are faithful, that we are with eyes wide open following you and faithful to the calling you have on us. I pray that, Lord, for the individual families in our church. I pray that for our church family that we will all be in the center of your will, that we will be bold and brave to do what you've called us to do, to not allow a busy time, a busy season to keep us from your ultimate blessing. Show us, God, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. John 14, 1, Jesus says so lovingly to his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled You believe in God, believe also in me. As you come in here today with all the things that are happening in your life, I know that some in the room maybe are feeling those troubles. There are those worries, whether they're personal, financial, career-oriented. There's always something that is troubling us. And I think those words of Jesus need to, to be ever ringing in our ears. Let not your heart be troubled. Because if you are a believer in Jesus then you need to know that the love of Jesus is with you, within you. And you have that love of Jesus to not only guide you, but to comfort you. 
And Jesus is never going to leave you orphaned, spiritually orphaned. If you have Jesus, he is with you always. But I think as we imagine this particular scene in John 13 and 14, we begin to realize, as I said earlier, that Jesus is using this metaphor, this analogy, because it really is a picture of human vulnerability. When a child doesn't have that that father, that mother, that stable home, that is one of the most devastating and difficult things for a human being to overcome. Children who do not have that solid relationship with their parents over time, it just makes life more and more difficult, even as adults. And so I believe that this image of being spiritually orphaned encourages us to open our eyes and see that the children among us who need parents, that need to be cared for, this is a a huge responsibility and one we cannot run from. In fact, I would say this, if we're talking about spiritual Uh, the spiritual idea of being orphaned and the physical idea are connected in this way. Jesus, in his great prayer, reminds us that we are to do things on earth as they are done in heaven. And so this idea of spiritual orphans connects so clearly in my mind to what we're talking about this month and specifically today about standing with orphans. I want you to realize, though, that as we talk about this today, we are talking about some, some big ideas Uh, not just for your family, not just for you in terms of the sacrifice that you may be called to make for the vulnerable among us, for the orphans and the widows. I'm not just talking about that, but what we are called to do as a church, how we're going to be stretched as a fellowship, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. I think God has a very big plan for us, but I think we also need to acknowledge that we do not have the strength within us, just our strength, to accomplish this task We need help from above, and we need to realize that the help we need from above is actually help that is placed within us as believers. That's the presence of the Holy Spirit. As I was meditating on this passage yesterday, the Lord brought to mind William Carey, and another quote that I'll read to you in a moment that's more familiar, but the quote that grabbed a hold of me was this. When William Carey was looking at doing this big thing for God, which was to start the modern mission movement, He said this, he says, I am not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. I want you to hear that again. He said, I'm not afraid of failing. He said, I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. And I want to ask you right now if that is something you are in danger of doing. And that is being successful in one aspect of your life and yet missing the bigger picture that God has for you. The better plan that God has for you. A moment ago, Shayla shared with you what God has done in the last year through our Defender Care ministry. It is quite spectacular. We have seen God move. There are people in this world, not just children who have found homes, but also many refugees that were fleeing Ukraine at a very, very serious time, a very dangerous time. They were able to be cared for because of your generosity. We have truly been there uh, in a way that only God could do for the most vulnerable in our world. That's incredible. But one of the things we need to realize is we wouldn't have been in that position if not for six years ago, Pastor Chad having this vision for the Defender Care Ministry. I am so thankful that God put that seed in his heart that has led to this ministry that continues to be a blessing here in Springfield at Ridgecrest, but around the world. See, God is at work, and God has a big plan for this ministry. He is just getting started here, 
And we need not worry, and we need not fear. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Christ, that Christ is going to continue to work and to show us the work we are called to do. It's a big job. When we start talking about orphan care, I have to tell you, I've known for a long time that when you try to reach out to the most vulnerable, when you try as a person, as a family, as a church, to do these sorts of things, spiritual warfare, I've, I've heard that term. I, I know it in the abstract, but let me tell you, I know it face to face. The more God has blessed us in this ministry, the more difficulties have arisen. It is a hard, hard thing to do to go to war with Satan. But when we care for the most vulnerable among us, we are picking a fight with the devil. And I want you to know this, no matter how big the task may seem in front of us, with so much need out there, our God is bigger. I want you to hear that. That is one thing that Jesus is telling his disciples. He is telling them that he is going away, but by leaving them the Holy Spirit, they have all they need to accomplish all they're called to do. That is true for us here today. As a child of God, you have the necessary power to change the world. And what the shame is for many of us is that we never get the chance, it seems. We never find the way. We become just passive in our Christianity. But I want to tell you, every single one of you, God has a much bigger plan for you than you ever imagined. And you are not as far along as you could be because none of us are as faithful as we ought to be. But if you'll trust in Jesus things start changing. We believe that the place that really change begins, one of the most important spots is to care for the most vulnerable among us, orphans and widows. This is religion that is pure and undefiled before God. We learned about that in James 1.27. That's not the only work we're called to do, but here's what it boils down to. I believe that when we are willing to jump into that deep, deep ocean, of need, that God will give us the strength to take care of everything else. If we are brave enough to go after this kind of need, then God will show us in every angle, every way, where we are to minister and care for people in this world. You see, Jesus was willing to die on a cross to keep us from being spiritual orphans. And that forces us to ask the question, what are we called to do to make sure that no child is orphaned? What are we going to do? Now, I want you to think of this. When you were saved, Christ set up house in your heart. Now we need to ask this question. What do we need to do to open our hearts to God's will so that he, uh, that he can then use our homes. We open our homes, our hearts and our homes to what God wants to do. That's the question today. And it's not an easy task. But thank the Lord. Look at verses 12, 13, and 14 of the text for us today. Nothing is impossible for a child of God. We've already touched on the fact that if you are uh, trying to do the work of God, it's going to be bigger than you. In fact, if you are not being stretched uh, beyond your capacity, my guess is, is that you haven't found exactly what God wants. If you could say to me, you know, I'm, I'm doing my service to the Lord. I feel like I'm managing it well. It probably just means you haven't found exactly where you need to be. Uh, in my experience and in watching people and trying to train leaders, when we feel overwhelmed, that's usually a good indication that we are doing the work of the Lord. When we are satisfied and able to do everything and, you know, tie up every loose end, most likely we're doing things in our power, not in the power of God. 
if the vision is from God, the work will be beyond you. It'll be above you. It will stretch you and force you to dig deep into your faith. And hear this, many people claim to believe in Jesus, but don't seem to make much of a difference in the world. This is very disconcerting to me. Those with a deep trust in Jesus have access to the unlimited power of God, but it seems like so many are powerless. So many people, so many of the individuals who are on the rolls of churches, not just our church, but churches in Springfield, churches around the world, so many seem inert or inactive and certainly not filled with the Spirit. What a shame. Just think of this, with over 5,000 members here at Ridgecrest, if half of our congregation was on fire for the Lord, we would be setting the world on fire. But so few find that fire. And therefore, so few of us are able to share it. This is the quote most people know about William, or from William Carey. He said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And that is, I believe, the heart of missions. I would say it is also the heart of orphan care, of caring for the most vulnerable in the world. Friends, we need to have an expectation that God is going to do great things. But it's not just about the expectation. Are we brave enough to to act? Are we brave enough to go and to open ourselves up for the spiritual warfare that will come to us and to our homes and to our church? Oh, friends, we want the power of God. And we need to make sure that we are experiencing it. Here in verses 12 through 14, these are powerful promises, some of the most encouraging words that Jesus ever gave us. And I think that we are missing it. Why? How is it that we miss our full potential as Christ followers? Well, one thing, I think we try to think our way through life instead of trusting in Jesus. Friends, our minds, it's good to use our minds. It's good to be biblically literate and to be wise. But the reality is, is that when it comes to the the things we're talking about here, it's not just about coming up with a plan. We have to hear from God. The people of God must have plans that come from the heart of God. So I want you to think about that. That's true for me and my family and my home. That's true for you and your family and your home. You need a plan that's not from your mind, but actually comes from the heart of God. But then we expand that and say, we also as a church need a plan that comes from the heart of God. And one of the ways we can make sure that we stay in the right lane, that we stay where God would have us be, is by looking at the priorities of Scripture. And Scripture tells us, 40 times plus, as Shayla shared with us, that orphans, widows, and the vulnerable are near to the heart of God. This is how we know we're on the right track because we're listening to the word and we're taking one of the most hard challenges, one of the biggest challenges in the word, and we're saying, Ridgecrest, that's what we want to do. We want to dive into the deep end of the pool, and some of us don't even know for sure if we can swim. But we do that because that's where God would have us go. The words of Jesus here in verses 12 through 14 are about the post-Easter reality of the church. Jesus is speaking ahead in time, and he's talking about the time when he will not be there physically. He's talking about uh, post-Easter, post-Resurrection Sunday. He's talking about the believers and the power they will have in this life. Notice in verse uh, Uh, Verse 12, he says, Jesus does that the disciples will do greater works 
than Jesus. Now, that has to blow your mind the first time you read this because we all know that Jesus did some amazing miracles. He had had people who were dead like Lazarus and they were raised up from the grave. He took blind eyes and made them see. And so we're sitting here going, how is it possible that we could do greater things than this? Well, sometimes we need to think about greater, not just in terms of like a big event, but more quality or more quantity, more time. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's telling us if we think about this in terms of conversions, people coming to know the Lord, Jesus only had maybe a, a few thousand followers in his lifetime. But because of the disciples turned apostles, filled with the Holy Spirit, read the book of Acts, thousands upon thousands came to be Christians in the very early days of the church. And that message spread throughout the entire world and literally millions, if not billions of people throughout the ages have come to know Christ because of the greater works of the Holy Spirit through the body of Christ. Let me just say this. If we will be faithful, Ridgecrest, in things like orphan care, in widow care, if we will be faithful in those things, then we will see the greater works, the power of God unto salvation. We will see people's lives changed. We will see the gospel message spread like wildfire throughout the world. Look at verses 13 and 14. Notice the scope here. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. We need to believe God's word here. I know that some people take these words, whatever and anything, and use them for selfish reasons. But notice the passage. I want you to see this. We have to read the text and see what it says. Notice the qualifier. It has to be glorified in the Son. That's the key. Anything we ask that is from the Lord, that glorifies Jesus, that is from the Heavenly Father, if we are in tune with God, when we move forward and act, we will have the power of God, and no matter how impossible it looks, we can accomplish that in the power of God. Now, we can't just name it and claim it and want something selfishly. That's not what this is. But when God has given us his vision, and let me pause and say, please pray that, that myself, the shepherding team, our elders, that we will make sure that we find the vision that Jesus has for our church because if we have that vision and we have boldness, nothing can stop us. And I want you to know for your family, if God begins to speak to your heart, a husband, father, a mother, wife, if, they, if you begin to hear that voice in your heart, know this, it may sound like it's impossible, but if it's from the Lord, nothing is impossible. You have to trust. We must first discern what God's big dream is for us. We can't allow the chaos of this fallen world to distract us. We must be willing to take the leap for Jesus. Let's just take a moment. I want to show you three things in verses 12 through 14 that are so clear. I want you to see this promise from God. First, it's given to whoever believes. Not just whoever you think might be the best Christians are, but anybody who's a believer in Jesus. Jesus is talking to you. Second, notice it is a promise of power greater than Jesus exercised in his earthly ministry. God could do things through you where literally thousands of people could come to know the Lord. Third, it is a promise that encompasses whatever you ask and anything in Jesus' name. Now, I wanted to put that on the screen because it's just amazing to see what Jesus is saying here. 
We can read those verses really quick and just go, oh, wow, that seems like a big deal. But then you break it down like this and you go, my goodness, God is opening up a door for the power of heaven to flow here on earth. We just have to be able to take that leap of faith, whether it is to open our, our homes and our hearts to hurting souls, vulnerable souls in this world, or we as a church looking for God's vision that can work in such a way where together we're able to do so much for the kingdom of God. Let me just say this. Stop thinking in terms of what can't be done and begin to ask the question, Lord, what are you telling me must be done? I think we do a bad job of listening to God because we're spending too much time lecturing God. I think one of the reasons why your prayer life is lacking is because you're telling God all the things that can't happen instead of being quiet long enough to let him tell you what he wants to happen. I think we're really good at telling God things. I don't think we're really good at listening to what God has to say. It's just crazy, actually. Imagine if you are a student. Some of you are, are, are university students, maybe freshmen, or if you're in high school, you're, you're freshman in high school, it's kind of nerve-wracking, you know, first day of class, the professor comes in, and before he says a word, you say, okay, I've got a few things to tell you. You, the student, tell the professor this. And you begin to lecture him or her. That's absurd, isn't it? I'm sure it's happened somewhere before, but that's absurd. Who would, who would do such a thing? Now imagine how absurd it is for you to bow your head and talk to the God who created the heavens and the earth, and you start lecturing him about what can't be done before you've even listened to what he has to say. We do far more absurd things than my illustration uh, paints when we talk to God like that. Listen to God. Do not lecture God. If God is, is saying some things to you this morning that are making you uncomfortable, amen. May it make you uncomfortable because that means maybe for a change, instead of talking to God, you're listening to God. And he has some things to say. And one of the ways he says it is through his helper. A child of God has the Holy Spirit as helper. Let me show you this very quickly here in verses 15 through 17. Now, I want you to know you have the helper, the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer in Jesus, you don't have to be a Pentecostal. You just have to be a believer in Jesus. And, and you can experience the Holy Spirit. Now, I know for some Baptists that's a shocker. But I want you to know the Trinity is, in effect, for Baptist. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he is our helper. But know this, we cannot know that help apart from faith and obedience. Faith and obedience are always paired together in Scripture, and help will come to God's holy ones. But what that means is, is that we can't just claim these promises from God and then live however we want to. No, we have to be obedient to Jesus. We have to make sure that we are loving Jesus and obeying, keeping his commandments. We see in 1 John um, chapter 5, verse 3 says this, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. So let me just say this to you. If God is calling you to do something big for him, in, in so doing, if, if you are brave enough to do something big for God, let me give you a little bit of advice. This morning I was thinking about it in these terms. If God has called you to do something big, don't forget to do the little things. What are the little things? The little things are keep leading your family in worship. Don't forget that your home has an altar in it. We need to be, uh, have a family altar. We need to worship the Lord in our homes. But also, we need to realize that uh, we have to stay in the word and we have to continue praying. Those are the things that we have to do every day. That's being obedient to God. That's loving God and keeping his commandments. Friends, don't forget those little things. God wants to do something big. 
but he does it in those lives that are consistently doing the little things well. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, you can see keeping commandments, you, you see the verb tense there. That's not something you do one day, and then you've checked off that box. Well, I kept the commandments today, so now I don't have to worry about that anymore. No, we keep them. We have to keep on keeping them. But what's interesting is the word love there is also in that same verb tense. We have to keep on keeping on love. And so if we think about who we are in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not enough that we just have some love and it, you know, have some good days where we love and that's good enough. No, we have to continue loving well. That's what God's Word is telling us here. We, I am afraid, sometimes put too much emphasis on a surge of love instead of that steady love that God's talking about here. We cannot thrive as Christians on mere surges. It must be steady. The Holy Spirit gives us the help we need to do the hard things God has called us to do. And I want you to know, if God is calling you to reach out for the most vulnerable, he will give you the strength you need. You know that idea of that, that if God is with us, who can stand against us? Well, that's what we mean. When we are loving God, when we are standing with God, that's when we know that we have power to overcome. A child of God in the age of the church needs to remember that the Holy Spirit is the power source, the helper, the absolute helper, and God can give us what we need. Let me show you something here in verse 16. In verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now that word another means one of the same essence or kind. And then that word helper is a word that means, uh, quite frankly, the parakletos is, is the Greek word, uh, an advocate, one who comes alongside us, one that's able to get us uh, through a hard time. That's kind of what the word means. I want you to know this. When we as Christians have Jesus in our heart, we have the Holy Spirit guiding us. And he, that spirit is like, it is just like having Jesus with us. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, the one who walked on water, that same Jesus is with us in the Holy Spirit. And that's what gives us the ability to experience the dream uh, that God has for our life and for us to achieve that dream. I believe that God has a dream not only for you, but for our congregation and one of those dreams he has for us is to continue to push back the darkness and reach out to those orphans that are around the world. And that brings us to our last few verses here. We see in verses 18 through 24 that we are at home with the Trinity and a child of God is an orphan no more. Let's go down to basics here. An orphan, the definition thereof, is one bereft of their natural supporter. That's what it means to be orphaned, one bereft of their natural supporter. And as we've already talked, Jesus is telling his disciples in chapter 13, John 13, that he is going to go away. They are about to be bereaved. He is reminding them of all the times he's talked about dying and, and uh, going away. And they don't like it. No one likes to hear the bad news. You know, we always want to hear the good news. Now, there is a lot of good news here. Jesus is telling them, you're not going to be alone. You're going to have more power than even I have. But all they can hear is, we will not have Jesus' presence anymore. You all know how it is. We latch on to the negative, and we tend to tune out the positive. 
And I think that's true for many of us. As God begins to say, you need to do this. And you go, wow, there's a hundred reasons why that won't work. I'm going to tell you there is never a good time in your life to adopt. If you want to look for excuses, there's always a reason, no matter what stage you're in, not to do it. But that's not the concern. The concern is, what is God saying? And if God is not saying that it's your uh, calling to open up your home, you are called to open up your heart. I believe that God wants all of us to support this in one way or another. I've often said, for every family at Ridgecrest that brings a child into their home, they need 10 people, 10 other families around them to provide that support. If that's what God's called you to do, amen and hallelujah. Not every one of you are called to bring that kid into your home. I want you to know that. I had some people after the service, like literally after the first service, saying, okay, am I sinning if? Like, they're already feeling guilty. Listen, God will show you. You will know. I, I, I don't know exactly how it'll come to you. I know how in the past God has spoke to me. It is clear in my heart and mind. Um, when I hear it, a lot of times I'm like, uh-uh, no way. I mean, because I'm just like everybody else. Uh, my fears kick in. I worry. But when God is speaking, you will know. And Jesus is saying, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He is saying that when he brings the vision to your heart, when he shows you what you need, you will not be left alone. Now, going back to adoption, adoption brings children from a state of loneliness into a state of community. And Jesus does this for us in a spiritual sense. Oh, friend, what Jesus has done for you, how he has made a, a, a home for you in heaven. Look there at John 14, verses 2 through 5. You have a mansion in glory. You have a room in glory, it says there, depending on your translation. God has taken care of you. You have a home in heaven. But the answer, uh, the question that we need to ask today, that we need to come up with an answer to is, what is God calling you to do with your home? You have a home in heaven. That's already covered. Eternal life is yours through the blood of Jesus. Now the question is, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your home? If God is at home with you, what is he leading you to do with your home? I want you to think about that with me. I want you to ask God to come into your heart and dig deep. As the word of God speaks to us, as the spirit of God speaks to you, what's that call in your life? Let me just land with four things for you to consider as we walk out of here today. First, I believe that God has called every family in this church to be more intentional about faith building in your own home. You need to ask what that looks like for you. Depending on where your kids are, how can you make your home a place of worship? Two, you need to, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, you need to ask the question, is adoption or fostering something God is calling us to do as a family? I'll just pause there and say, for the longest time, I thought my, my job was to you know, rally the troops in this area. But in the last couple of years, the Lord has been saying to me, so you think you're just supposed to talk about it? You know? No, there's, there's more to it than that. Uh, for me as well, God will show you when the time is right. The third thing is, I want us to commit to support very directly the families that have already adopted or are fostering or plan to. And then the fourth thing is a little bit more out there. I want you to covenant to pray with me and the leaders of Ridgecrest 
that we will discern the big dream God has for our church as it relates to orphan care and foster care. I have some ideas. I think God is showing me some things, but I want you to know this. I I like to think, but I want to make sure that I'm thinking in line with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together that God will show us the way. So it's pretty simple. As we come to this time of invitation, where is your heart? Are you ready to surrender all to Jesus? Are you open to what seems like the impossible? I love the fact that this passage reminds us that whatever may seem impossible is possible in the power of Jesus. Bow your heads and let's pray. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit ridgecrestbaptist.org.